Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from the Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. This podcast features highlights from the 2022 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville. First of all, you'll be hearing from Jim Garlow of Wellversed in the radio feature, The Garlow Perspective, as he presents his view of globalism and how he sees that philosophy as a threat to Christianity. Then, the rise of and desire for a global system of government and global economy are following a template that we find in the Bible and the prophecy pros, Todd Hampson and Jeff Kinley, discuss how the pieces are falling into place to usher in a powerful world leader in an interview from the National Religious Broadcasters Convention. And coming up on this edition of The Intersection, from the National Center for Fathering, Ken Canfield and his wife, Michelle Watson Canfield, shared with me at NRB about how their marriage within the past couple of years has joined their hearts, lives, and ministries, as well as his children and grandchildren, together. Finally, I had the chance at NRB to connect with the former U.S. Ambassador-at-Large for International Religious Freedom, Sam Brownback, who examined religious elements that are at play in the overall conflict between Russia and Ukraine. This is the intersection of production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. Jim Garlow is the CEO and founder of the Ministry of Wellversed, co-founder of the World Prayer Network, and the voice on the Garlow Perspective. At NRB 2022, he provided biblical perspective on world events, including concerns about the rise of globalism and how it could affect Christians. From that NRB conversation, this is Jim Garlow now. Globalism is evil. Globalism is anti-Christ, it's anti-God, it's anti-good, it's anti-righteousness, period. World Economic Forum is for world domination. It's dangerous. Those who attend it can be duped by it. I believe in the right of individual sovereignty of nations, the value of that. When Trudeau, Prime Minister Trudeau in Canada, suddenly turned Canada into Cuba overnight and confiscated private property by freezing the bank accounts, of people who had given as low as $50 to the truckers. And by the way, we had the privilege of interviewing truckers and many of the pastors embedded with that movement. That was a godly, righteous, holy movement. They were highly sophisticated, highly organized, very smart people that did what they did. I'm not saying everybody was a believer, a Jesus follower. I'm not saying every action was perfect. But I'm saying overarchingly, that was a remarkable move of God in Canada that spurred something globally against this globalism, which is good. But when Trudeau revoked the Constitution, in effect, became a dictator, he became little Cuba. And, and now we've, there's even pastors in solitary confinement up there. It's, it's like a Soviet Union, practically. And when he did that, he did that with the blessing of the World Economic Forum had made him the poster child for economic passports. They were so happy what he did. But people made a run on the banks. The banks screamed, hey, stop this. Get over that. World Economic Forum's view was, I am told, I am told. It was, hey, you pushed too far too quickly. We've had a reaction from Canadians and people around the globe. you got to backtrack. So he revoked it after a few days, not because he didn't want to be dictator. He was. He's totally in the wrong, and he's vicious, and he's vile. He did it because they pushed too hard, and enough people rose up. They knew they were going to lose this in the public relations battle and maybe even in other ways. 
We, we, the, the, the globalism of our nation has had three huge upsets recently in their plan and their strategy. Number one was the election of Donald Trump. Number two, it was the rejection of the coerced uh, uh, COVID vaccinations, mask, etc. As a global phenomenon, people said enough is enough. We now know you're lying to us. I've had COVID twice, by the way. My first time was serious, it's mm -hmm. in the hospital. Mm -hmm. I, I was that. very, very sick. My second time was only a month and a half ago, and I went through that in a day. And I carry a lot of antibodies. I've been tested with the most sophisticated. I carry a ton of antibodies, ten times the normal, right now, as a, as a matter of fact. But I do take COVID as a disease seriously. What I don't take seriously is the manipulation of numbers by government and the overreach of government. And that, that reaction set off, realized the globalists they weren't controlling. And then the third was the Canadian truckers set off a movement most recently that has picked steam up globally. And, and so they're, they're, they're knocked back for a little bit and they're saying to Trudeau, we got to cool it a little bit. The peasants are rising up <laughs> against us. Yeah, unfortunately, that's the way they, they look at it. It seems. What were the deplorables? Yeah. The elites yeah. and the deplorables. And so you've, you've got, when you look at the whole COVID situation, and I, I remember reading about analysis of the World Economic Forum that the, this great reset, the, the, the COVID crisis, was going to be something that they could use, that they could leverage in order to bring this about. It was an indicator that pe perhaps people's mindsets were that they would be willing to give up their their freedoms and that they would be willing to bow the knee to these these governmental officials that were placing mandates upon them and it, it looked and it looks like that they miscalculated and then that manifested itself in the canadian trucker situation it's like okay fool me once it, you know it's on you fool me twice it's on me and so perhaps that's what we have but there's a there's another one coming down the pike, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. We hear all kinds of reports. I don't know which ones to believe. Jim Garlow here on The Intersection. You can learn more through the website wellversedworld.org. Next on this edition of The Intersection Podcast, it's Todd Hampson and Jeff Kinley, the co-hosts of the Prophecy Pros Podcast and the authors of the book, The Prophecy Pros Illustrated Guide to Tough Questions About the End Times at Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the 2022 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville. They discussed a biblical template documenting the rise of and desire for a global system of government and global economy, resulting in the coming of a powerful world leader. Here now from that conversation are Todd Hampson and Jeff Kinley. That's the condition that scripture tells us will be like in the last days, that it will be a, a global world where we're all connected and eventually out of that necessarily there will arise a global leader and there are actually calls for that now you know it used to be conspiracy theory and you know tinfoil hat kind of stuff but now world economic forum and many other governments and even i feel like this situation with russia, russia and ukraine is even extending that further bringing the, the world together for one thing so it's just kind of the same narrative repeating itself that we saw with COVID, it's further laying the groundwork for a future one world government, which sounds crazy to say, but there are open calls for that even now. And, and I'll just ask a very candid question here. Putin's not the man to bring this about, is he? No, if anything, he's the guy that's uh, shaking it up so that a, a leader will need, there's a leadership crisis. Somebody's going to have to rise and bring you know order out of chaos, so to speak. 
and there's no strong, you know, Christian leader out there now as a nation that could speak into that. So the world is begging for a leader to rise and make, you know, bring peace and security, just like the Bible says. The world is begging for a leader and those that belong, if I can say it like this, to the so-called world economic forum. If people may not be familiar with that terminology, that comes out of a, I know there's the annual meeting that took place or takes place in Davos, Switzerland. Of course, there's been, you know, that's been changed around a bit as a, as a result of the, the COVID pandemic. But nevertheless, you've got this World Economic Forum. You have these calls for, and this is something that's come out of the forum, called the Great Reset. So for those that may not be familiar with that concept, what is it and how far down the road are we to seeing that occur? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I think the first thing to, to highlight is the fact that, that they see the world as being fundamentally broken as it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the whole rise of capitalism, freedom, uh, individual freedom, individual rights, individual ownership, all, they see all these things as threats to global unity. And so the, the World Economic Forum has come together for the past 40 years or so. Uh, it was founded in 1971, rather, so it's been a little bit more than that. But they've come together each year to talk about how can we reshape the world. And they know the only way to do that is through global leadership. So they have a global charter that they've already written for the world. Uh, they want to do away with capitalism, with individual ownership. They say by 2030, you'll own nothing, but you'll be happy. You'll just basically rent everything <laughs> from, from the elites, uh, essentially. Uh, and within that whole circle, uh, part of what they've talked about in this, I've read Klaus Schwab's book, The Great Reset. He talks about the fact that we have to fundamentally change the way we look at Mother Earth, climate change, social justice, uh, capitalism, and and basically just who you are as an individual. And so what they really want to happen is for the, the individual to be kind of absorbed into the collective so that we're all on the same page globally. And of course, we've seen that with, with um, you know the European Union, with their borders essentially being dissolved and economic unity and that type of thing. They want to bring some of that spirit to the whole world. Now, what they called for, Bob, on the heels of the COVID crisis was a global governance system. And many were calling for a single leader to lead it. So it's crisis after crisis after crisis. So the question then becomes, what's gonna be the crisis big enough to cause all the countries to say, okay, finally, we'll just open this thing up. We've all gotta become one. And I believe that crisis will come on the planet. I believe it'll come through the rapture of the church. Uh, But at the same time, again, as Todd said, the world is longing for a savior and the devil is waiting in the wings to give them exactly what they want. Jeff Kenley and Todd Hampson here on The Intersection. Their respective websites are Jeff Kinley, K-I-N-L-E-Y.com, and ToddHampson.com. Well, this is the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can learn more through MeetingHouseOnline.info or by visiting the programming section at FaithRadio.org. Through the homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection podcast. There are also links to the podcast, to the Media Center, as well as the Apple podcast feed. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, there's a link to video content. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. 
Content from The Meeting House can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms, including Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Continuing now with this edition of the Intersection Podcast, from the National Center for Fathering, Ken Canfield and Michelle Watson Canfield join me at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville to discuss their marriage relationship as well as their ministry work, including the importance of grandchildren's relationship with their grandparents. Ken is founder of the National Center for Fathering and National Association for Grandparenting. She is the founder of the ABBA Project and host of the podcast, The Dad Whisperer. Here now from that NRB conversation are Ken and Michelle Watson Canfield. Do you find, because I, I think there may be that perception that young people, children, teenagers, young adults might want to keep their grandparents at arm's length. Is that just a, a false perception? It certainly is. Research says outside of parents, grandparents are the safety net. You go into any inner city and you see grandparents are many times raising children. Over two and a half million households are headed by grandparents raising their grandchildren. Now, that's not optimum because grandparents aren't wired at that age and stage to do that. But they step up, Bob, and those I am committed are the heroes of the next generation. Now, on a personal note, I have 14 of these what I call arrows that I'm going to shoot into another generation that I may never see. So when this beautiful woman next to me married me, oh my goodness, she inherited a clan and a half. And so she jumped in 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 a way that I was so thankful and blessed to have. Okay, so... Michelle, instant grandparent. That's pretty cool. So give us an idea about what that is like to to all of a sudden have a, uh, what would you call it, Ken? Blended grandfamily. Yes, a a blended grandfamily. There, we haven't called it that. I like that, Bob. (laughs) You may never want to call it that again. (laughs) Well, here's the reality, and maybe I'm speaking to some other grandmothers who have had a a situation like mine, but I stepped into a family where these children dearly love their nana. She invested well. They they brought out their American Girl dolls and told me the story of Nana taking them to Chicago to a tea party with their dolls. They showed me cards. They showed me clothes that Nana had bought them. And I felt so honored that immediately I was hearing the stories of a grandmother who I believe handed a baton to me. And mm. even at our honeymoon, I mean, excuse me, at our after wedding party, boy, it brings tears to my eyes even still. But is I told Ken that when he shared with me the the footage from the funeral, because I wasn't there, he had all of the 14 grandkids stand up. Well, less than they've grown since then. But he literally held a baton up and he a baton up to these girls and boys, young lives. Now the oldest is almost 16. Yes. Handed them metaphorically speaking Mm -hmm. he said i'm nana is handing you this baton to run run after jesus to love the word of god she's prayed for you those kinds of things and i sat and sobbed and said Mm. i believe she's handing me that baton to love these children and to pray for them and one of the greatest gifts that ken's daughters gave me four of them three daughters one daughter-in-law is a necklace that d had worn and each one has a name of one of the grandkids on it. 
And they said, we want you to wear this. Mm. And I brought it here with me. I, I love this necklace. I said, if I ever had a fire, this is one of the things I would take. Because even though they're, they're still grieving the loss of this amazing mother and grandmother, somehow God has called me for this next leg of the journey. And I've told them, I know we all wish, me too, that you could have her back. But yet I want to follow Jesus and stepping into this assignment. And I'm praying for you and I'm loving you. And I've done overnights with some of them and, and gotten to be there when they've gotten sick or when they're doing art in the art room. And it's, it's something I'm learning as I go. But I'm so honored to be alongside Ken and to love these kids. Mm. Yeah, so for the listeners of Faith Radio, we want to encourage you right now, despite whatever family form you're in, whether it's a step, blended, complex, or you're raising grandchildren, Mm. be assured that God has a plan to lift you up. And what Faith Radio does and what this entire conference is about is lifting up the voice of Jesus to guide you, to strengthen you as he's guided me in meeting Michelle. Ken Canfield and Michelle Watson Canfield here on The Intersection. You can find out more through the National Center for Fathering website at fathers.com. Also, there's grandkidsmatter.org. That is the website of the National Association for Grandparenting. You can also find them at their respective sites, kencanfield.com and drmichellewatson.com. Well, this is the Intersection Podcast. Former Ambassador-at-Large for International Religious Freedom, Sam Brownback, founder of the Brownback Group, joined me at the 2022 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville and shared analysis regarding the Russia-Ukraine conflict, including religious dynamics. Here now from that conversation is Sam Brownback. He wants to rebuild portions of the the, uh, Russian Empire He's never seen Ukraine as a separate country, as a separate people. They're Russians. The, the tribe of Rus starts in Kiev. It doesn't start in Moscow. They later go there. St. Vladimir, that has all the Russian people baptized and leaving paganism, does it in Kiev. So the Russian Orthodox Church starts in Kiev. It doesn't start in Moscow, but they later move the capital to Moscow. But he he just sees that these are one people. And the Ukrainians, here they are, they're splitting off. They're becoming more of their own country. They want to be more European than they want to be in the Russian space. And and then, and I was engaged in this, the Ukrainian Orthodox Church split off from the Russian Mm. Orthodox Church. Uh, And that's 40% of the Russian Orthodox Church was in Ukraine. And that was, I think, probably a major issue for them. They're saying, no. No more, no further. We're going to step in now, and we're going to do it aggressively and, and, I, and to disastrous consequences for the people of Ukraine and for the people of Russia and for the world. And you mentioned the, the, the Ukrainian Orthodox Church that has broken off from the, the Russian branch, if you will, the Russian Orthodox Church. Putin does. Doesn't he kind of have a grand vision for the, the religious arm of the of the Russian people being yes. the, the Russian Orthodox Church. After all, what was it the the anti terror legislation that was passed many years ago that basically would clamp down on a proselytization, uh, evangelical uh, Christianity? So it seems to me that there is this religious drive that's that's 
at least one of the issues here. Oh, very much so. You, you, you read one of his advisors, uh, it's a gentleman by the name of Alexander Dugan, D-U-G-A-N, uh, and he sees this as, a, as modernity overcoming and crushing Christendom. Hmm. Uh, and the first to fall will be the Protestants, in their estimation, and then the Catholics. And the last will be the Orthodox to fall to these forces of modernity. And they want to build as big a land mass around themselves to protect Christendom and, and from modernity. And this is, this is in his writings, and I think it's in Putin's head, uh, this, this same sort of, of thought uh, that, that that's what they're standing up for. And that's what gives them their, in their view, kind of this sort of uh, we're the grand saviors of Christendom. I remember reading that in some of the writings. I'm going, what? How does Putin <laughs> see himself as the grand savior of Christendom? And then you dig into it, and this is kind of how they get there. Sam Brownback joining us today here on The Beating House on Faith Radio, former ambassador at large for international religious freedom. Joining me here at Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the 2022 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville. Well, as you look about this, as you were describing, perhaps this empowerment that Putin feels to, sounds like to kind of rethink Christianity or to reinvent the practice of Christianity. Isn't that kind of what the Chinese are doing as well? Well, no, I wouldn't say his is a rethinking of it. His is taking it back to, you know, to orthodoxy. But it's a it's a religious spirit. It's not one that follows Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a okay. it's the Russian Orthodox Church is right and everybody else is wrong. And I'm going to enforce this by might by the, the power of the state. Mm-hmm. The Chinese, they just are at war with faith. And they're, they're trying to rewrite the Bible, uh, which you know, you're just going, you know, not even the emperors in China deem themselves worthy to rewrite the Bible, but somehow Xi Jinping and his administration thinks they've got a better idea of what, what <laughs> Jesus was, was talking about. I, I, it, it's, really, it, it's really interesting to watch the weaving in of how people look and want to, want to address the issue of God in geopolitics. And now you've got both of them engaging these terrorist states who look at themselves in, as representing Allah in mm-hmm. their situation and enabled to kill other people in the name of Allah to push their brand of what they believe Islam should be. I mean, that, that you, you've got all these strands working right now uh, together in, in a form really attacking the rest of the world. Sam Brownback here on The Intersection. You can find him online at brownbackgroup.org. Well, we're nearing the end of this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center. That's the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection Podcast. There are also links to the podcast, to the Media Center, as well as the Apple Podcast feed. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. There's also a link to video content. Again, you can go to meetinghouseonline.info or visit the programming section at faithradio.org. 
Thanks for joining me for this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.